Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hello again, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed the fantastic fights last weekend. They were a, a joy to behold. We are back with episode 49 of Eurobash. <laughs> just uh, just me and Noel McGrath, as usual, laying down those sweet tracks. What's up? What, what a weekend of fights, man. You beat me 2-1, actually, because that was we had a 3v3 head-on. That's right. And, and Diaz was my only saviour on the night. Yeah. Um, and I really wasn't confident about that. Yeah, listen, I don't, listen I'm not going to break your balls over last weekend because it was, it was close. There was so many bloody... Tight matchups, obviously. Brilliant. We're going to chat about them later on, but man, I really enjoyed it. I was, I was, it, it, it sort of felt like six, seven years ago. I that yeah. feeling to the card. It was, it was, I was really excited. Like, yeah. I didn't even go out on Saturday night. And it was like, normally I would, and I come in and watch them drunk, but I didn't. <laughs> it was like every fight you were like, ah, oh, like that felt like the main event. And here's another one. And here's another one. It was really good. Um, let's take a look at these headlines. Uh, Steve Miocic claims the heavyweight crown. It's coming back to Europe. Thank you on behalf of Croatia. Yes. Brilliant. <clears throat> Nate Diaz, triumphant in return. Sorry, against... we've claimed him after his Irish dancing, though. Oh, that's correct. Yeah, he's... so he's, he's one of ours as well. And Duke Rufus as well, after wearing the Ireland football top. We in have the loads. loads. Come away. Paul, and, Paul and Felder. We have an, on our interview this week, uh, Noel got permission to call Paul Felder an Irishman, so yeah, that's all we, we ever needed. Um, moving back to the headlines. Nate Diaz, triumphant in his return over Anthony Pettis. He calls for Jorge Masvidal. Paolo Costa claims a prominent place in the UFC middleweight title race with a with a narrow win, it has to be said, over Yal Romero. But a win nonetheless. <clears throat> just looking at the fights that have been announced this week, uh, just earlier today, Amanda Nunes v. Jermaine Durandamy has been booked for December 14th. Stefan Struve is out of retirement. He faces Ben Rotwell in Washington in December. <sighs> On the same card, Alistair Overeem returns against Walt Harris. Uh, he'll be the main event that night, as will Walt Harris, of course. Um, interesting one this. We'll get to it in a minute. Darren Till to middleweight. Uh he has hinted again. He likes the hints. He Just a week me. after being on with us, uh, it seems he has his mind set on Gaslam at M- MSG. Uh, Roberto Saldic will take on Patrick Kinkle, a KSW 50, a, a very solid opponent brought in for the RoboCop there. And uh, Laurent Murphy signs for the UFC. Fight Zuboira took hook off at Abu Dhabi, uh, UFC 242. Now... A uh, little bit of little bit of talk here, um, talking points wise. We had a big thing, a uh, big story about Conor McGregor last week. Um, there's been a huge amount of reaction to this. Um, 
I've seen people boycotting Proper 12, and I saw True Geordie, who was one of his great uh, kind of evangelists over the years, really coming out strong against Connor. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, there was a video released of Connor by TMZ. Um, it appears to show Connor striking an elderly gentleman in the Marble Arch on uh, in April. Um, so, uh, how do you feel about this one, Will? Yeah, it's a bit of the same old, same old PC. It's you know, there's there's so many things happening um, over the last year, what eighteen months with, with Connor, and it's just you know, we've seen it with John Jones. We we've seen this whole dynamic you're pan out before, and there's only sort of one real end. And uh, you know, you know, what's he gonna what's he gonna do when um you know he's to return to the cage and, and things like this are happening? Um, how much money is it gonna take? As Dana White said on the Jim Rome show, I don't know if you listened to that, Pete, but. They were sort of interesting comments, and I think Dana's pretty pissed off with the whole situation. Um, but, you know, since then, in fairness, he's put the head down, but he does have to hold himself accountable for these sort of things. It's not a good look again for the sport or for uh, for Irish mixed martial arts. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and it's just like, when is it going to stop? You know, like, we're all waiting for, like, this kind of stuff for, for Connor to turn the corner as it was, and, you know, I, I saw, you know... Khabib Nurmagomedov talking about this and a lot of people talking about this. Like, it's just supplying his adversaries with so much. As you're saying, when he comes back to action, there's going to be a laundry list of things that people can hit him with, right? Yeah. Like, of what's been happening. Like, like it's just... Like, even interesting enough, Dana said the whole incident in Brooklyn, UFC 223, cost them millions. Yeah. So, you know, you'd imagine some of the fighters there got uh, settlement payments that haven't obviously been disclosed, settled out of court. So, very interesting. And... Um, you know, not a good look. Uh, again, you know, as I said to you there off air, if you haven't seen this incident, you know, it's been all over the internet. TMZ broke it, uh, the video. Um, you know, it's been on the Irish radio as well. They always just pick up the negatives. But He's becoming more prominently known for this kind of outlandish yeah. behaviour than he was as a as a champion nearly. Yeah. Like, you know. Well, we, we, we know this. Like, he's not as popular as he once was. Uh, not by any No, but like, look at the, the reaction to that. That's yeah. the worst I've seen. I mean, I saw... There's a video that all the publications are putting out today of uh, some pub in America yeah. pouring out like a crate of proper 12. Saw another video from Glasgow or something. But the one I saw that really kind of stuck out to me was True Geordie because he's, he's been very strong. With kind of True Geordie's a big, huge podcast over there in the UK. And he came out very strongly against yeah. him. Like, I mean, and, and the amount of uh, backup he was getting in his comments and stuff, like I didn't see many people disagreeing with him at all. Well, how, how can you? How can you? Oh no, it's it's awful. It's yeah, no, it's 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 uh, absolutely disgraceful, and I think um, the guard have said that they're investigating an incident that happened in April in the Marble Arch uh, around two thirty, around the time that was displayed on the screen, but no arrests have been made yet, etc. So, um, I saw another story with the with the victim of this, something to do with the victim of this in the mirror, where they were saying he's a fifty year old man. I saw Dana White saying that he was forty. I didn't really like Dana White coming out and saying like, "Oh, people get punched in the head all the time in Ireland," you know. Yeah, like, no, it's not. It's and there was a few other stupid. They're just com- playing into stupid or stereotypes, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. And there's another one there I saw from a, a prominent mixed martial arts journalist. It was very disrespectful as well, and it was sort of like, oh, you know, people in Ireland look like that. Um, you know, he's probably only thirty, and you're just like, shut your mouth. What? Like, have you ever been here? Clearly not. Just ridiculous comments, you know. Yeah, just yeah, annoyed. I me. didn't see that myself, but uh, how and ever. Yeah. Um, moving on from that, um, I was just going to say this to you. Uh, with everything that happened at the weekend, there has been some very prominent European fighters displaced as far as I'm concerned. Um, we knew Jack was on a couple of weeks ago, Jack yeah. Hermanson. He was saying, you know, obviously the best result for him last weekend would have been Yal Romero winning because Romero has had two fights with uh, Whittaker at this stage. Um, you know, it probably would have played into his hands a bit better looking for that title shot. The fallback for not getting a title shot 
uh, was supposedly Gastelum and MSG, but now Taylor's called for that. Like, yeah, I feel like Hermanson's kind of come away with, at a loose end because he he's obviously taken that fight against Cannonier. It's not a fight that's going to push him any further than he is. He's taken that, and now I, I don't think he's going to be rewarded if he gets a win. You know, I agree with you. Yeah, and I think. For terms of Darren Hill, I think it's a, it's a terrible fight for Darren. I, I don't I, like that fight one bit for Darren. I, I don't like. I think, you know, in terms of Darren and what he, he should have done, you know, changing a weight class. You know, you want to go in there an easier way in. You yeah. don't want to go in and fight a guy like Kelvin Gassam who's been down at one seventy. Fight a Royal Hall or someone that, like you know exactly someone yeah. who's you know um, you know probably outside the top ten and in your wheelhouse. You know, he, he strike and get a strike. Exactly. You don't want to you don't want a wrestler a savage like him who's literally challenged for the interim title against Israel Adesanya. Took the best shots Adesanya had. Exactly. So I'm not sure where Darren. I hope the UFC um, maybe offered Darren. And you listen. I think the UFC would be rubbing their hands together on that. That's the problem. Like that, that's what compared to a Hermanson v Gastelum or something like that. I think they think Till v Gastelum was huge. Well, I think the UFC learned their, learned their lesson from what happened to Darren Till Fair at enough. 170 pounds, and if they go along that line, they will match him up differently. But in terms of what Darren brings to the table and what uh, Gastelum brings to the table, you know, very two two very different styles. But um, I just don't like it. I just think you know what we've seen from Gastelum. He's he's going to be able to handle a fighter like Darren Till. Um, yeah, um, I just really hope the UFC don't do it. I really don't. I don't want to see it. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, also, it's not just Armanson. Uh, as we know, Leon Edwards uh, was... It looked as though they were going to make that Masvidal fight, but it's gone. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it is gone. Like, when someone like Nate Diaz shows up, like one of the biggest superstars in the sport, and he calls out your guy, and the guy's rubbing his hands together, Dana White says at the press conference later, yeah, we want to make that fight. Leon is uh, shit out of luck, unfortunately. Leon, Leon's probably watching, going like, "What, what, like, what, 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 what have I got to do here, man? Because it's just not fucking happening. He, he might as well just go back and, and and start all over again and fight the guys he's already fought because it's. I, I just feel sorry for the dude, like, because like UFC are not going to back down from that now. Once Nate Diaz, you know, has put his um, finger in the pot or whatever you want to say, the, the, I don't know. You know, me and my sort of sayings. Uh, I'm talking shy that time, but. Once Diaz comes out and starts saying that, like, there's no way they're not going to not look at that fight. That is, like, two gangsters. And, you know, Diaz already, oh, make he it. already sold it. East Coast gangster versus West Coast. He ain't no West Coast shit. All that. It's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. I think we're looking at it in, in November in MSG. Um, so what a, what a fight to look forward to, in fairness. Um, I, also, I also believe that another prominent European has been uh, displaced as well, Peter Yan. Um reports there just uh, two days ago, Ariel Awani was discussing that they were looking at Aljamain Sterling versus Frankie Edgar for 135 title. Um, it's still in the preliminary stages of uh, being agreed. And we've also seen Uriah Faber calling for fights with Edgar or Sterling. Is Peter Yan going to be left at a loose end here? Probably. I'd imagine. So. <laughs> like if you ask me, Faber v. Edgar... Aljo v. Jan. That's the way to go Yeah, with I think that. the problem with Peter Jan is the English, though, as well. I think that's we've seen that over the years. The UFC Have don't Have you not seen us on Twitter today? He's on fire. English. He is but, blowing the shit out of everyone on but, Twitter uh, no, today. No, no, I'm, I'm being honest now. Um, like, we didn't see Habib get a push until he learned English. Um, you know, we didn't see Ngannou, really, until he learned English as well. His English was very, very poor when he first started off, and uh, obviously in the UFC, and, and now he's, he's, you know, his English is fine. But, you know, that's, that's a reason for me. Um, the UFC don't seem to push guys who, who can't speak English. Yeah, you probably have a point there, all right. Um, but I do I do think Jan is, is is working on that aspect of his game. 
it's tough to see him at such a loose end though because he is quite an entertaining man let's be honest um, uh, he is like the interviews he's done with you have been class but I think I think English. I think Aljo genuinely wants to fight Jan I think he, he would prefer a title eliminator fight with yeah. Jan rather than take on one of Edgar or, or Faber you know uh, Aljo is one of those guys you like Darren Till um, you know he'll fight anyone he, yeah. he really will he'll never back down he's a savage to go yeah so listen much respect to him I don't like the Peter Jan fight for him but yeah um, you know he's obviously sort of being there done that um, to a certain level he's never made the breakthrough um, to the top sort of three or four but well, that's, a, that's a quality fight I have one more thing for you and this wasn't exactly news but I just thought it was very interesting Aaron Chalmers tweeted about the possibility of Bellator European titles now this is something we talked about a long time ago if they are bringing things to Europe if it's going to be restricted to Europe which it largely has been, apart from the two top fights used yeah. in every card. I think one of the big problems with these Bellator cards is finding purpose in the fights. Like, what are what are these guys fighting for? So I think the belts would obviously add a, a clear, concise goal to it. I don't think it's as cut and dry as that, but I certainly wouldn't be against it, I have to say. I'm not mad, and I think, you know... But we've lost European titles because Obama's gone, yeah, and, and Bama champions... You know, had a, it had a lineage there to the bigger shows, and yeah, well, well, you know, if 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 they're willing to admit that it's a, it's a regional promotion, they'll do that, Um that's that's sort of the way. I think it would know, help I'm with Sky Sports, it. Channel Five, all of this stuff if they had it, European belts. It could well do, could well do. I'm, I'm not mad for it, um, but I think maybe you know, even if Bellator put a sort of a ranking system in place or something like that, it might conquer that. I, listen, I don't know. I know um, that is the thing. I was thinking about that today when I was when I was uh, writing this down as a talking point. I was like, oh, imagine another bunch of messed up rankings. Like, yeah. I just can't. Yeah, no, I can't deal with that anymore either. But uh, <laughs> that's what I was sort of going to Like, what else do you, do you do? But yeah, I don't know if I want belts. You know, there's enough belts, I think, really. You know, I, I always go back to, the, to boxing when I look at boxing, how messy it is. Like, you could have yeah. literally 30 to 40 belts in one weight class. Um, across boxing and I just don't want to see MMA go that way if you know what I mean but I think you know how do you define maybe you are right how do you define a purpose of what these guys are going for or what they should be fighting for um, if there's nothing really going to propel them up the ladder here if they're fighting on European cards yeah that that's all it was really for for me like was just it adds it adds something it adds like a storyline to all these events which I think they have been missing to be honest Definitely. but um, look One. Now, let's get on with our featured interview of the week. Uh, Niall caught up with old Talking Brawls alum and co-main eventer for UFC 242, uh, Mr. Paul Felder, who will be having a rematch with Edson Barbosa, a former teammate of his. Uh, really looking forward to see that fight. It's a really, really good one for the Abu Dhabi card. So we're going to talk to Paul, and we'll be back in about 20 minutes. I believe our next guest, it's his first time on, uh, on our Eurobass show here, um, and we are going to lay claim to him. Because he's been on with me enough over the years on different other shows, and his nickname is the Irish Dragon. It is Mister Paul Felder. Paul, do do you mind if we claim you? Is that okay? Because we've now we've no, literally no. feck all active fighters in the UFC. You guys can claim me all you want as long as I get to go over there and drink with you guys and hang out and get treated well. Then uh, I have no problems with that whatsoever. <laughs> I think I'm going to be making a trip soon after this after this long. Long, long journey to Abu Dhabi. I'll, I'll be due for uh, a trip over there to hang out with you guys, man, for sure. Definitely, my man, definitely. All right, Paul, listen, you, you said it there, Abu Dhabi. It goes down in just uh, over two weeks' time. I'm very much looking forward to this rematch that you have against Edson Barbosa. First of all, I want to ask you, right, we've spoken about this. I think you've made it pretty clear that that was one you wanted to get back. You used to train with Edson 
what is the thought process in taking a rematch? Is it a little bit different to other matches in sep- accepting them? Yeah, I think it's totally different. You know, and this case in particular is unique unto itself because not only have I fought him, went 15 minutes, three rounds with him, but like you said, I've trained with him. I've been in the, the training room, wrestled with him, grappled with him, sparred him many, many, many times. But it was years ago at this point. We both moved on. We're both at different training camps, very different points in our career and our lives. So, you know, the, the thought process and the memory of an MMA fighter is pretty short, man. Like, I've trained with so many guys over the years. I don't really – I don't have a lasting impression of, like, ooh, remember that round back in yeah. – 2015 when he caught you with that body kick or that leg kick like that's not where my mind's at I'm not like you know there's no positive or negative thoughts that I have I just know and respect how good Edison is and I think that's what brings the the mm. best out of me in this training camp and and I fought him and he beat me he beat me in my first loss in my professional career so oh. uh, it's one that we've talked about it before I'm, yeah. I'm very excited and very hungry to get it back and and nervous, very. It's all good nerves, though. It's it's a fight that excites me and excited me the first time. Do you feel as though maybe since that first fight? And I did. I watched back the first fight today, and and it's it's actually remarkable just to see the evolution, particularly in your game, that you were so maybe one dimensional in that fight in terms of, um, you know, it was really very much on your feet, just striking. There was no, um, you know, clinch work against the cage. Very little of it, anyway. I saw in that fight. Do you feel as though you're just a totally, completely different fighter from what you were back then compared to what you are now under Duke Rufus? The only thing that I think remains the same is my toughness and my durability. I think that's what I had and what got me through that fight with him. And my base skills were there. You know, I've always been yeah. a powerful guy and, and, and a pretty decent striker. But like you said, since working with Duke, and even working with my team in Philly just in, in throughout the years, that's even gotten better. Daniel Gracie has brought in new coaches. This guy, John, that I work with back in Philly, he's really been working on my boxing when I'm there, keeping my hands really sharp in between these training camps with Duke. And then obviously when I'm out here in Milwaukee, man, Duke's a mastermind, breaks things down really well. Um, and like you said, just adding more clinch, more takedowns, working with my jiu-jitsu coaches out here. Uh, you know, both my Daniels, Daniel Gracie in Philly, Daniel Vandalay here in um, in Milwaukee, just so well-rounded, so much more composed. I was so violent and, and aggressive when I first fought him, and that's all I had was just ball and pressure. We spoke about this. Uh, and, yeah. There's a plan before, you know. It was just uh, get in there and scrap, mm. and now – it's that same mentality, that same toughness. Calculate. A bit more, you know, versatility. You know, Edson's obviously moved on from Mark Henry's camp when you guys used to spar after you fought against him. You sparred for quite a, a long time uh, when you were up with Mark. Um, do you think it's, it's a good thing possibly that he's left Mark's gym now? Because you told me that Mark had everything literally recorded on tape every minute of the sparring that you did with Edson Barbosa. Is it good that he's down in ATT now in terms of, you know, planning for this match? You know, I've, I've thought about that even more. And it might have only helped me that he would have stayed because they'd be looking at game planning for somebody else. It wouldn't even be like game planning for Paul Felder. It would be like game planning for Khabib. It's, it's not yeah. me at all anymore. So 
but they were basing it off the sparring that I had at Nick Catone's gym back then. They'd be basing it on a much lower level fighter. Definitely. But uh, the guys at ATT are smart. Yeah, do you, Edson smart. Do, do, you, do you think this fight, you know, I look at this fight and as I said, I watched it back again today. You know, you talked about it there. I remember the fight against, um, obviously, Charles Oliveira when you, you defended so versatile. Um, your defense was against him in, you know, numerous pre- precarious positions. You know, he's an ATT. He's an underrated ground game as well. It's, obviously, it's going to start out in the feet, and I do expect long spells of this fight being on the feet. But I can see this fight being maybe a little bit more up against the cage and maybe even once or twice on the deck. MMA fights, there's a lot, a lot of places that the fight could end up on the mat too. Knockdowns. Somebody could catch a kick, stumble, and fall. So, yeah, I do see this time around being a lot more well-rounded of a fight, and not necessarily because one one or the other is going to make it necessarily a wrestling match, but I think just that both of our games have evolved over this many years, and that's been four years. So, you know, I I would expect to kind of be a MMA fight, but I expect it to be just as exciting. Both hit hard as, you know, we both have the ability to take each other uh, with, with an elbow, a knee, um, it's a dangerous fight, which makes for an exciting fight, and I think um, that's the reason we got put in the spot that we're at on on this card over there. Yeah, definitely one of the biggest uh, fight cards of the year. Definitely with the biggest pay per view draw on the UFC at the moment outside of Conor McGregor is Habib Nurmagomedov is obviously main event. But Paul, I want to ask you, you know, something. And again, I've mentioned for the third time in this interview, but I did watch back the fight today, and it's something you alluded to in the past that. That nut shot, you know, it was a horrific shot. You know, <laughs> listen, but but in all seriousness, did that have a significant um, sort of negative impact on the rest of the fight for you? Because it was a severe, severe um, shot to the groin. Yeah, well, listen, I'm not going to blame that on why I lost. That would just be, you know, uh, you could, I guess, if you wanted to find a way up. It certainly didn't help things. That, that's for sure. I was... I feel like I had pretty good momentum in that round. And then I took that shot. I didn't take a lot of time to recover just because that's how it is when we're in there. We're on a lot of pressure. And there's, there's the crowd. There's the ref talking to you the whole time. Opponents just standing on the other side of the octagon. So there's a lot of you know, things pushing us to just continue the match. And um, I did that. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure it negatively affected me for sure. And that, that, that had me to my stomach for a little while there. I was peeing blood after the fight. Shit. It, it wasn't good. And I hope that doesn't happen again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, listen, it's 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 tough even watching that. Um, leg kicks. You know, I've seen you in the gym. I've obviously seen you fight. We know how good, I think, we looked at the last fight against James Vick. It was something you used exceptionally well um, were the leg kicks. Uh, you've always been particularly good at throwing leg kicks and you know spinning attacks. You said to me that you you're as good of a leg kicker as Edson Barbosa is now. You've improved so much in that area of your game. It, 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 do you still think that way? Is, is that how you feel about Edson's leg kicks and, and your leg kicks? Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I'm I'm in the gym day in and day out with guys that have been working with Duke Rufus, you know, their entire careers. Anthony Pettis, Sergio Pettis. Gerald Mersharp, Alal Muhammad, uh, uh, the list goes on. You know, Jared Gordon, these guys are all getting better and better at leg kicks every single day. And guys you've never even heard of that are in there. This kid, J.P. St. Louis, who I've been working with a lot 
for this fight. If you ever seen him fight in RFA or LFA or yeah. one of the regional promotions, he's he's a brick house. This kid, he's got a switch kick that's you know could knock down a goddamn tree. Um, it, it, getting inside and, and beating him up is like you know penetrating an army, and that's who I've been sparring with every single day. And Bilal's getting ready for the same date. Bilal's got fantastic movement like Edson, where he moves away. He's hard to hit. He's elusive. So. Uh, the guys I'm working with are, are top tier. I mean, Edson's got his own particular set of skills, though, that, that is unique to himself. His speed is second to none. Yeah, yeah, um, so even when you have good switch kickers, they're not, you know, not many people in the world, I think, are as quite as fast with that kick as he is. But when it comes to leg kicks and pound for pound and the meat on my bones on my legs when it meets yours, yeah, I'm, I'm not afraid to go shin to shin with anybody in this division. To, to be more, um, you know, we've obviously seen you and you got injured from actually a spinning attack against Mike Perry when you broke your arm in that first round. Yeah. Do, do you have to be, be a bit more calculated with your spinning attacks? Because, like, man, I looked at that fight today, and this is the fifth time I've mentioned that now, but the, the amount of spinning attacks from yourself and Edson was absolutely, you know, it, it was ridiculous amounts. Do you have to be more maybe aware now, especially after that injury against Mike Perry? Is there a little bit more calculation? Yeah. I threw in that first fight with him. I'm coming off the the big win against Danny Castillo, so yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a spinning machine in that fight. You know, I, I'm thinking that I can just knock everybody out with every time I spin around. Uh, and then the Mike Perry fight that was just unfortunate for me and my arm. You know, he's got a hard head. I mean, you just saw the dude's yeah. nose get pushed to the other yeah. side through, you know, all the way around his head, and yeah. he still didn't give up. Um, so yeah, my spins won't be as reckless. Not saying I'm not going to do it. Uh, it's my instincts. A lot of the times, it's a it's a good counter, uh, but I, I won't be out there spinning like I did in the first fight. I'll be much more composed and 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 looking for cleaner damage than just you know spinning and praying. Are are you more aware now? Obviously, you know, you know the injuries we've talked about that you've had. Obviously, that that arm. You know, you had the the nasty laceration in your eye. Um, against Francesco Trinaldo in Brazil, and I think you cracked a bone in, above your eye as well. And then obviously the lung injury. Um, you talked a little bit of it for a while about maybe even packing in mixed martial arts. There was a lot of sort of comments your way after that injury um, with the lung against James Vick. But is there maybe a little bit more reserves, you know, about putting yourself in the line of fire? You no. know, taking so much damage effectively. No, no, no. If you're going to go in there, you got to go in there 100%, right? The second you start really going in there and fighting with um, second guessing or caution or what, oh, you know, I want to win, but I don't want to really hurt myself. Uh, that's when you get knocked out. Um, so I haven't been sparring like that. I won't be fighting like that. If that starts creeping in and I start feeling that in sparring or feeling that in a fight, even if I win it or lose it, if, if I feel that I'm worried about really hurting myself while I'm in there or getting hurt, that's, that's when I'll be, that's when I'll know I'll be done. Um, but I haven't really thought about the lung. I don't. It's not something I think about. I've been getting hit with so many body shots in this camp. It's not. Yeah. It's not something I'm worried about. Um, were, were you close but, to? Yeah, I mean, you know, you talked about it before, but were you close to actually, you know, reassessing things in terms of your career after after that injury? I was just so upset after that one, you know, because I get it was the the biggest win against the highest ranked guy I've had so far. I got exactly what I wanted. I got the number ten guy. I beat the number 10 guy. I had a good call out. I felt everything on the mic was good. Everything was great. I just was a little sore. And then it's like, no, you collapse your, your freaking lung. And I was like, oh, my God. 
you know, and spending a week in the hospital, it's like, I can't even win these things and, uh, and just go home and, and get right to it. I, it's stupid things like that, preventing me from stringing fights together. And, you know, I go out of people's minds again and then have to come back and everybody's just kind of doing the same thing. Oh, you should just commentate or, and I feel like I've got to reprove myself over and over again. That's the only thing that's getting really frustrating for me is reestablishing myself. Even though I'm ranked, I got to keep reestablishing myself. It's like, no, I don't just talk on TV. You know, I've fought some of the best guys in the world and been in the UFC come October five years. Wow. Five years Shit. in this sport against some of the best dudes out there. And yeah, I've had some big injuries because of the way I fight. I lay it out there. And, um, yeah, if another week in the hospital comes from this one, then uh, you know we'll talk in the hospital yeah. afterwards, and we'll 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 we'll, uh, we'll assess where it's at from there. But if I got a number, if I got that number seven next to my name, I'll probably say the same thing I did when I was in the hospital in Phoenix. It's like, well, <laughs> we'll just keep going until until there's until that number's not next to my name, or until I keep getting L's, then then I'll hang it up. But if I'm winning, I'll take the friggin' injuries because I can eat ice cream in the hospital. It's no big deal. We've, we've spoken off air about this, you know, c- keeping the aggression um, to a certain extent under tops, because I know, you know, we, we've talked about this before, you, you've a nickname that's zero to 100 sometimes, that your temper yeah. gets the better you in fights. This must be a particularly sort of pivotal uh, moment, in my opinion, of, of this fight that's upcoming, that you must keep that under check. And what have you done to keep that under check with Duke in this fight camp? Well, I mean, on the pads, I can tell you, he's trying to hit me nonstop. He's got shin guards on. He's punching me in the face with the tie pads, smacking me, kicking me in the body, and and just making me wade through the storm and keep calm. Uh, Same in sparring. He's right there, calm, calm. As soon as he sees me getting fired up, he knows. He'll be yelling that in this fight. I can guarantee you that. um, We might have certain codes for it, but... Has that been a major problem in your career? The fact that, you know, you get hit and you just want to just go out and swing. And does actually a lot of the technique go out the window when that happens? Yeah, it it has in the past. But one of the things I think we're getting really good at for this fight is taking that that rage or that anger and aggression and uh, trying to put technique behind it. And it's just like, just just get even. Don't get mad, get even. If he gets you, it's okay. Get him back. Stay on him. Um, I'm going to get hit. The guy's good. He's been in the top 10, the top five for most of his career. So I've sparred him. I, I know how skilled he is. But uh, I know what he's not good at as well. And um, yeah, I know where he fades. I know where he breaks. But I know the pressure's got to be a little more on him. He already won. Yeah. You know what I mean? He beat me once. He Why can't he beat me again? Um you know, the the cars were all in his favor in the gym. It was Mark Henry coaching Edson against me. I was the guy coming in to, to help out. I never really got, you know, fully immersed into that camp, yeah. partially because of that reason, that Edson was his guy. All these other guys were Mark's guys, so I never really got brought on board. So it was always kind of, you know, secondhand advice when I was there. Nick Catone was my coach. He was always helping me out. He was always giving me advice, but... Nothing against Nick. I love that guy. He's a fantastic coach, but he comes from a different background than I do. He comes from a grappling and a wrestling background. 
So even when he's giving me advice, it's always learned advice from Nick. You know what I mean? Um, whereas now I've got a Muay Thai kickboxing champion and a K1 champion. And, you know, his brother was a champion in Duke. So he's being there, done his that. first instincts are, what's that? He's being there, done that. Yeah, exactly. So it's just a different, a different voice in my corner this time that I think will, will help and who knows who knows what the hell's gonna happen i always say that in these things right <laughs> I, I don't know i'm just i know i'm doing everything that i possibly can in this camp to uh to come out on top and um like i said we'll assess where we're at when the fight's over where does a win put you paul what's that where does a win what does a win I mean, do I for you in this I fight i think the win the win puts me puts me at number seven i think a, a win gives me that spot that he's at right now and gives me the rights to to fight the the top five, uh, you yeah, know, definitely. if I win, that's four four or five fights in a row at lightweight. If you don't count yeah. the the loss at that at one hundred and seventy, um, and you know, and top guys, and uh, you know, I've made call outs that I'm not getting, and guys are trying to fight up, and that's their right. You know, the Justin Gaethys and, and the the ally Quintas, and even though Al's apparently fighting down now, I, I don't know what the hell that's all about, but you know, it gives me a chance to, Hey, if Hooker wins that fight, maybe that fight does happen. Maybe it fights, it happens for a much higher ranking in, on the, on the card. Yeah. Well, it was supposed to happen at a UFC two, two, three. So, um, yeah, I'm yeah, it's sp- a great fight. I like that fight. Um, so, you know, I know hookers called me out before and very respectfully yeah. and the kids got <laughs> skills and the PP's ally Quinta, uh, maybe I'll be calling him out. Who knows? Or I'll be calling Al out. Depends on who wins or who wins the Cowboy and um, and the Justin fight. That one's real interesting for me because obviously Cowboy is a friend of mine and somebody that really kind of raised me up through the early part of my career. So hopefully, hopefully I don't I don't want to fight him. So I got to try to finagle around that. So maybe if he wins, get the loser of that fight, or if he loses, get the winner of that fight. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of options out there. I think if, uh, crazy. if I win, Tony's still out there looking for a fight. So. Yeah. Crazy good division, man. We know how strong, you know, the lightweight division is the best division of mixed martial arts bar none, in my opinion. There's just so many fights, um, that are actually happening at the moment. Cause the, you know, the division was on a log jam for a while, but I think it's, it's fantastic to, to see things motor yeah. again at the top of the division. Um, in my opinion, but listen, listen. What's what's the walkout song, Paul? What's what, what are you gonna what are you gonna play in Abu Zabi? You're you're a man for mixing up your walkout songs lately. Yeah, I like to mix it up, and it <laughs> usually has to do with uh, what's what's going on in my mind. You know, what's uh, it doesn't really have to do with my style. A lot of people, I tell people, I think I'm gonna walk out to this song, <laughs> and uh, they're like, "Ah, oh, that's not your style." I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It has to do with what gets me in the right mindset, and. Um, I got a pretty. It's not funny, but it's funny to me, and uh, it's for my mom again, possibly. Right. So you'll you'll have to wait and see, Mister Nile. Ah, Jesus, Paul, you're you're, you're, you're no see. crap. But listen, you're one of us now. Anyway, you're on your debut on Eurobash. You ha- you have to represent Ireland because we're as we said, you know, we're short on active uh, UFC fighters at the moment. <laughs> Paul Felder, it's always yeah, a pleasure, man. To, what, what did you want me to come out to? Uh, you too, right? You wanted me to come out to the the last fight. Sunday, bloody Sunday. That's what I said to you. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You would love that, wouldn't you? <laughs> All right, my man. Listen, always a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate you taking the time out to stop by with us again uh, today. I'm looking forward to the fight, obviously, in uh, just over two weeks' time. Appreciate it, my friend. Thanks, brother. And we are back. Great to hear from Paul Felder. Love that fight. 
Can't yeah, wait for it. It's very tasty. Are you going across or no? Um, I don't know yet. Um, un- undoubtedly, unless someone wants to pay me, sort me out, hook me up. Right, so you're not going. <laughs> I, don't think, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm, I'm not sure yet. I'd love to be going. Um, but, you know, I'd love to be into Dhabi Dhabi, but uh, doesn't look like it at the moment. But we'll see. We'll see. You never know. Right. Well, let's get back to you. UFC two four one in Anaheim. Uh, first of all, it really did deliver, didn't it? I mean, oh, a lot of times we have these huge cards that are massively stacked. And it just doesn't come together on the night. This absolutely did. The prelims weren't great now. Like, there was seven or eight But that's decisions. usually a good sign yeah, for a main card. And that's what I went. I actually even thought that. I went, once there's been so many decisions here. I think like seven out of eight um, were decisions. Uh, I think even you, was it you satisfied was the first finish? Maybe, you know, maybe something earlier. I don't, I'll have a look in a second. But it was, uh, it, it was quality, man. Those top three fights were just unbelievable. Every single one of them, Romero and, and, uh, and Costa was just, ugh. Mate, watering best first round of the year, definitely. Is that the last we see of DC? I, I feel like there's three options on the table for him. Um, one is a trilogy fight with John Jones. One is a trilogy fight with Steve Amiotic, and then obviously, if if it somehow came to fruition, Brock Lesnar or or does Steve Amiotic get the Brock Lesnar sweepstakes now if he comes back? Um, listen, I I I don't think Steve is going to really be into the Brock Lesnar fight. I think he'd be more interested in the John Jones fight. That'll be savage. We've said it for a long, long time. Um, you know the winner of you know potentially this fight would, would would probably face John Jones in the next twelve months or before the end of the year or maybe the start of next year. I think it is coming. I think the UFC should strike while the iron's hot and do that fight for Steve Miocic. I but, don't I don't like the Ingano fight yet. I but think, the question is: it the last we see a DC? Yeah, I think so. I think um, you know when his coach is calling for it. You know, I spoke to Javier. He said he wanted DC to retire after this fight or yeah. the potential Brock Lesnar fight that was all rumoured to happen last July. He said it on fight week that he wanted DC to retire and, after the fight regardless of the And result, you know? You, when your coach is saying something like that, you know, you should probably take his advice. Uh, I think, you know, maybe the coach, obviously Javier works for so many years, knows him better than anyone. And, you know, even DC saying that at the end, when you're having those doubts in your mind, it's time to call it a day, in my opinion. Yeah, I I don't know. Are you shaking your head, Pete? I I don't know. I just don't know if it's if it's that cut and dry. A lot of people seem to say like, "Oh, well, DC is the kind of guy that will know when to do it." But if one thing has been proven countless times in MMA, it's that none of them have a clue when to fucking call it a day. So yeah, the fighters don't. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, yeah, yeah, I, I think agree. I, I totally agree. With I, you, I, I think it's too. It's like I mean, I can remember Gustafsson. I was certain that was yeah. the first time anyone's going to stand by this, and then of course he's already out there saying, you know, he's fifty percent thinking about coming back now. Yeah, I think you know if there's anyone that's going to know, it's your coach, and and Javier's been saying for like literally seven or eight months now. So listen, I don't know. It's obviously up to DC. Um, you know, in terms of the fight itself, um, you know, very surprised after the first round why he didn't. It, stick to those tactics it was sort of baffling to me um, it's just a lot of energy to, to wrestle a guy like Stipe to the ground like I mean I know if, if you've taken down a person once um, you know it doesn't necessarily mean you can take them down for the whole fight you know like it's, it's like, and you could see like the pace DC was putting on Stipe early on was tremendous you know and I feel like if he wanted to fight the way he was with that pace a couple of failed takedowns would have destroyed it and he would have been in the situation he was in the fourth round a lot sooner if yeah, you know what I mean yeah definitely but you know, another thing I think we have to mention in terms of the fight itself, Stipe Miocic and how he recognised that that shot was lovely, open. wasn't it? That and adjustment was magic. It's just you're just going like this guy doesn't get enough credit at all. I don't think, and I think looking at that and what he did in that fourth round because he knew he was obviously in trouble, lost those first three rounds, 
uh, took a lot of damage for Stipe. And a complete new look, like a c- complete new look. Like he, he changed the fight. As soon as he landed at the first time, I was went like, after, oh shit. Went after it. And the, but, by, no, by, but as, soon as, he, you felt it as soon as he hit the yeah. first one, you're like, this yeah. is completely yeah. different now. Yeah. This is so different And now. when he hit the fourth one, he just kept going. And he actually, like I haven't watched the fights back since, but watching it in real time live, I counted, uh, I think, 12 shots. To the to the kidney, so he just Wouldn't went after. It. Yeah, it was, it, it was, was pretty a, relentless. It, it, it was pursuit. a lot, <laughs> and it, it was brilliant, absolutely fantastic. And you know, great. And to be fair great, to him, great, like great fight IQ, and I think he did it against Ganu as well. So you know, yeah, very intelligent fight. And the, for me, there's been a lot of debate about it. The greatest heavyweight in UFC history. Yeah, well, I think I don't think you can debate that now. But uh, one thing I will say as well, I think he was before he even hit that body shot. I think he had a very strong round in the third compared to his first yes, two. Like he definitely. had an argument for the third round, uh, but fourth round was unbelievable. Savage. And, um, yeah, look, if anyone deserves a big fight, a big John Jones fight, something like that, it, it's probably Stipe. Um, you know, he's uh, he he's always very uh, he's full of full of the joys of life after those big wins, and I love seeing him like that. You know, when he comes out yeah. to the press conference, he's smiling and stuff. You're like yeah. such a likable guy when he's like that, and then. In his other press stuff, he's just like, no. Yeah, no, yeah. He's just, <laughs> he's just he's just not a guy who enjoys the cameras and stuff, but... Hard to believe with that suit, though, right? Yeah, it is. It, but, but, yeah, what a suit. Lovely three-piece. But, listen, um, great guy. You know, you know. they often say, you know, DC's obviously had a real rough ride, and, you know, he's, he's come through his, his life and lots of adversity. But, you know, so is Stipe, man. The guy's a, f- a firefighter as well, and... Maybe he doesn't get the credit he deserves at times, and I think. Do you not think he gets the credit he deserves? No, no, not at all. And um, <laughs> that's pretty, he's being smart. But um, listen, he should now, and I really want to see him get his just desserts. And I, I think that John Jones fight is brilliant. And you know, even John Jones putting out that tweet, man, it's setting it up already. You know, John's thinking about it. John wouldn't have said anything if he didn't want that. And I think John knows now that there's not an awful lot for him at light heavyweight. It's the fight to make, and the UFC will strike while the iron's hot. Nganu, um the one thing about the Nganu fight is when when you've beaten him in such a one sided fashion, you know you can understand if Steve goes what like why do you want me to do that again? You yeah, know? and I saw people saying you know um, in terms of uh, DC, you know, give him an immediate rematch. No, why should Steve? You know, he didn't give John, he didn't give Steve an immediate rematch. He fought um, before that, so. You're sort of going like, no, it's up to Stipe now. Stipe can should take the John Jones fight. Definitely up to Stipe. Definitely, and, up to and, Stipe. And, and and I think he should. I really do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I was just wondering because I know this is something you talked about an awful lot in the lead up to, it, and it was something I was very conscious of during the fight. I saw my good man Alexander K. Lee talking about it as well. The hands were out there, weren't they? I mean, there was a couple of pokes going on there, and I can see right. I can see where it happened when you're using this kind of pushing down the hands and then trying to punch. And I think he was, towards the end, after he was warned, he was doing a good job of putting that, pushing the hands down and then closing his fist. But for the first few rounds... Yeah, it, it was just out there. Yeah, and was, I it, felt like it was definitely prevalent. Know, when, when Steve Bay was trying to land, he was sort of catching his hand and putting it out. And, yeah. and it, it also, it, you know, it, it does look dirty to me because it's so obvious that he's doing it. Um, and I thought the referee, you know, maybe even could have pointed out a little bit earlier because I actually did tweet about it as well during the fight. So you need to watch this. It was a big, big factor in the first fight. Because that's um, a rule. You can't have your hand yeah, like that. You, you like it's not what is the function of his hand you, you being cannot. like that. You cannot point your fingers towards and the opponent. The referee sh- probably should have um, warned him a little bit earlier. But, I, you know, Stipe did get a couple of eye pokes um, yeah. during the fight. And, One of yeah. them wasn't picked up on as well. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. You know? It, it, it would have been tragic if it had ended like that. But listen, f- phenomenal performance. And, um, yeah, let's do the John Jones fight while, while we can, I think. And, yeah, I, I, I think Ngannou is to fight maybe once more before, before he gets one. Awesome. Maybe in this case, definitely when it's Stipe yeah. coming out, though, Victor, I, I agree, which is probably likely. One fear I have is with all this Diaz and Masvidal talk, <laughs> 
they say to Diaz afterwards, you know, do you want some time off? I don't want time off, but I'm not eager either. So they have to make it happen. Now, the UFC have butted heads with Diaz in the past, but if they don't recognize they have to put some special situations in place to make this yeah. man feel important at this stage, someone needs to slap them. Because he, he is huge. He is box office. He proved that all fight week. We knew he would. We said it ahead of it. He comes out with this massive performance. It was huge. His work was unbelievable. I thought I heard some people saying, oh, he looked a bit off the pace. He looked better than ever to me. I've never seen him switch stances the way he did. I never saw an intelligent game plan in place the way that one was. It was unbelievable intelligent game plan. Draining um, Anthony Pettis up against the fence and just plowing him with shots. It was a classic Diaz signature Jerry, performance. Did you hear what he did beforehand? He, he, he literally trained so hard um, in the back that it was he translated to that he was going into the third round of the fight when he got in the cage. So yeah, that was very so interesting. He, yeah, because we know we usually start. Yeah. So when I said to you last week, he's going to lose the first yeah. round. As soon as he won that first round, I was like, Anthony Pettis is up shit's creek yeah. without a paddle yeah. here. And she, see, Pettis, I know, obviously, an excuse for Pettis, but she, broken foot. It was the shin to head moment. It was the Sports. shin to the leg. Yeah, the shin to the leg. Was that's, it? Uh, that's Nate Diaz defending yeah, himself. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It was it was brilliant. And listen, it never really looked in doubt. Maybe well, Pettis, Pettis was so, so close, close on two to, head yes, kicks. He was, like, oh, my he was. God. And I tell you, he was close to getting a choke in as well. He slipped off in no, the last he minute. He was not he close slipped on that off. guillotine. He's he wasn't his Not box. the guillotine. When he had his back and he slipped off from the top. I don't think he was close to any submission. I, I thought it was. I thought he complete like Diaz completely dominated him on the ground. Yeah, Do, it was, like it was complete an domination. Fight. Like I mean, the the closest bit I thought he had to any success was holding on to a guillotine that Diaz dealt with easily. Like mm. I mean, I thought that was his best moment of success. Even the grappling scrambles, Diaz always ended up on his back. Even yeah. when Pez had his back, somehow Diaz would get to his back. It was brilliant. I, like. I, I can't believe he came back that well. Yeah, no, but, I was very surprised the level of performance. I thought the three years would have played into it. Didn't at all. Yeah, so and, fabulous. Uh, but the question I had, sorry, sorry, I keep on uh, getting away from this. But, you know, Diaz saying he's not eager, but he's also not going to want any time off. He's ready to fight Masvidal. Will the UFC fuck this up or will they actually make it happen? Fuck it up. Do you think so, yeah? No, no, no. I think it, from what Dana said, and I think Dana might have finally admitted it, that he knows Nate Diaz is a needle um, mover. A needle mover. Um, listen, the, the kid is, um, I think we've known him for a long, long time. The UFC are very stubborn in their approach to these things and making new needle movers, as Dana White calls them. But yeah, listen, man, if they can't make a fight with him and Jorge Masvidal, they're on acid. There's something wrong with them. <laughs> listen, I think, you know, I've said it for a long time, I, I do feel sorry for Leon Edwards, but when Nate Diaz comes yeah. back, I think it's a different ball game. Oh, it is, of course and, it is. Um, listen, they have to do it. Uh, there's been talk between both of them. Just make it fucking happen, guys. Um, there's, there's big fights there, and, you know, we, we don't know McGregor's status as well. They need draws. They need people like this. Well, do you not think it's a massive <laughs> indicator? When Diaz knows, of course, that Conor McGregor is the biggest money fight he can get, when he doesn't even say his name. Yeah. All right, he said at the post-fight, someone put it to him, would you fight Conor? He's like, I'm ready to fight anyone that's willing to fight me. Yeah. Like, but he definitely didn't put Conor as pride of place as he did against Johnson that all those years ago. You know yeah. What I mean? Yeah, no. no and I, I think he's right to just move on with his life yeah, because no, he's Conor not- doesn't look seem to be in a stable situation at the moment, you know? Yeah, well, that's my point. Yeah. Sorry, that was what I was about, I was about to say. Yeah, you, there's so much unknown about what Connor's going to do at the moment because we haven't heard from him, and we know he's been training a wee bit. Um, so, like, how are you supposed to make a fight? How are you supposed to commit to a fight when we don't know what's going on with you? Uh, and he's there. He's willing to go. We we know Jorge Masvidal is willing to go. So, listen, make it happen. Strike while the iron's hot. And fairness to the UFC in situations like this in the last two years, 
with all the super fights. And we've, we've seen fights that probably 10 years ago we wouldn't have seen. They wouldn't have made these fights. They've struck when the iron's hot, and I think this is a, a massive um, opportunity for them to, to even do it in November. Let's, 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 December, let's, let's, I'd say end of year show you know, is perfect. Yeah, probably end of year show, but imagine this in MSG with you know, Colby Covington there and Kamaru Usman as well. You know, sign me up for that shit because uh, I'll be buying it. Surely we can't look past Perlo Costa now for the next championship fight. Like, I mean, <clears throat> Yol Romero is hell on earth. And um, regardless of... wrong with Yola in the fight. I was texting you during it. And I know, yeah, but it was very hard to see what you thought was wrong because I, I've seen Yol fight like that so many times. I've just never seen uh, a guy like Costa uh, so bulky and stuff, being able to hang in there. for Like, I mean, I know he lost the last round. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. But, I mean, he, he gave as good as he got and I felt... There was an argument from the second. There was an that he definitely won the first. Um, Yol has an argument in the second. He won the third, but I, I wasn't going like, "Oh, this is a robbery." I saw some people kind of ah, cracking bollocks. on like that. There's no way there was a robbery. Uh, there, I had a twenty nine, twenty eight for Same, for, for Costa. For yeah. Costa. Yeah, yeah, and I like, I think I was pretty clear. I'm watching it. I wasn't drunk. I was yeah. watching it very sort of closely. And but no, I, I thought Romero looked like he was hurt on his feet. He yeah. was just sort of all over well, the I mean, place. Jesus, and he looked Pedro like Costa's fucking yeah, no, hit you. That is true. Yeah, but. It looked like he was like I don't know. He he looked like he was looking to the right sometimes, and he was thrown, and he was sort of missing. It was like as if he double vision or something. I I, I don't know. I really don't know. But um, listen, Costa, what can you say about the guy? Man, took so much punishment, and to overcome that adversity, even in the last round, you're going fucking hell. This guy is. I can't like, believe it. Yeah. To throw him up there. He's next. hundred percent for me. I think well, Costa well, has to do it. Bar there being like some kind of draw or something, or one of the yeah. greatest fights of all time between Whittaker and, and Stoilbender, which is probably good, a possibility. Very, very good possibility. <laughs> yeah. um, and I enjoyed yes, their press yes. conference as well. It was uh, during the week there. I think it was the same night as the fights. I'll be heading over that one. I can't wait. Uh, Sadiq Yusuf. Do you want to bring me? What a, what a man. <laughs> yes, I'd love to bring you. Sweet. Uh, Sadiq Yusuf. Um, I mean, it, we, we don't need any more kind of litmus tests for this guy. Gabriel Benitez has looked absolutely unbelievable lately. Mowgli and... Uh, you know, to knock him out, a uh, knockout artist of his caliber. You could feel it coming, though. Oh, my <laughs> you God. Just, well, I thought one of them was going, definitely. Like, no, I mean, no, no, I'm a bit, like, just Yusuf, man. The guy's a killer, man. I, I love that. I can't believe... Gabriel cracked him a couple of times, though. Like, I mean, I yeah. thought you had him in trouble a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it was harder than he's ever been hit in his life, Yusuf, yeah. because Mowgli's no joke, man. Yeah, but savage. Unbelievable. That last minute of the, the first round to do that... This guy's going to be big business. And, of course, you've got to think about Stoilbender, about Usman, all these Nigerian savages coming out of the mix. If they're going to do it, now is the time. Yeah, you listen, I think, you know, I've said this for a while, you've, you've guys like Don Madge as well who are up and coming. We talked about his fight being off the 242 card there a few minutes ago as well, um, unfortunately, against uh, Magomed Mustayev. But um, I think South Africa would be the place to host an event if they were going to do one down there. Uh, on continental logistically, Africa. It might make logistically a uh, you know, obviously they have the arenas there. Uh, Infrastructure is good. They've had um, MMA there. They've for had a long MMA, EFC, uh, down in Joburg there, or Cape Town. Uh, that would be the place to do it. So I'd love to see the UFC uh, take that delve and go down there. And I think it's something that uh, has to be on Dana White's radar now at the moment. Derek Brunson looked really good against Ian Hoynich, especially after that head kick straight away to open the fight. Dominic Cruz. Hoynich is class though. Like. Um, Heinish ran out of gas really easy. And yeah. it concerned me. I think he tried to load up in the first round and he was like, shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> Brunson's tough. left hand was unreal. Like throughout the yeah. rest of the fight, I thought he was moving better than ever. Uh, as you say, he credits the win to Dominic Cruz, who told him to invest in a head coach ahead of the fight. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. I was like, what? Yeah, He's you probably need coach. one of those, Derek, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you might, you know, a UFC fighter and all. But uh, really impressed. Um, yeah, very good. Best he's he, ever. One of the best performances yeah. in his career in the UFC, in my opinion. Because, I mean, Hoynish is going in to steal everything mm-hmm. there. 
a man who did steal everything is Kama Wordy. Unbelievable finish that. Jesus Christ, that left Savage. Hook. That was lovely. It was, uh, it, was worthy of, it was worthy of a performance of the night bonus. No pun intended. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> pun, inte- pun, pun intended. Uh, Corey Sandhagen and Rafael Asensio in some chess match. Really, really good fight. Really, really good fight. I, I really enjoyed that. And Drakkar Klose, great to see him um, celebrate the birth of his child with a, a big win there. I know he had a, a kid this year or just at the end of last year. So I'm sure he's very happy with that, getting back to winning ways. Uh, and we said... We didn't think he had a chance, but Casey Kenny gets the win over Manny Bermudez. Don't ever listen to us. Everybody's obsessed with Hannah Seifers after this. Is that her second name? Seifers? Seifers, yeah. Seifers, sorry. Um, and her demeanor and stuff. Um, did you see this? Like, it's just taken off. She apparently hates being interviewed. And uh, that's I didn't to watch be a it, really no. alluring thing for them. Like, Jody I mean, Escobar broke her arm in the first round. Is yeah, that I saw a tweet about yeah. that. Jesus. So... Listen, yeah, I, I didn't see it, so I'm not going to comment on something I didn't see or watch. So, what was what was the issue? Well, I, I just don't she think hates she's the media. hate like she doesn't hate them. I just think she's an anxious kind of person. And uh, I've seen I've seen her before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, she's yeah. actually grown a huge yeah. fan base based on the yeah, fact that she hates being interviewed. Yeah, I, yeah, I've seen her before. Steve yeah. Miocic utilized this Part woman's uh, <laughs> techniques. Tra- trainer up, Steve. Yeah, uh, Kyung Ho Kang uh, got a split decision win over Brandon Davis, and Sabrina Mazo got a unanimous decision win over Shayna Dobson. Will that card be beaten this year in terms of fights? The talking points as well. I mean, like it's it's so many have come out of it. Like I mean it's not just about the performances it's about, about pe- people in the crowd. What, but what's happening <laughs> next as well? Like like yeah. what's what's happening next? Um you know, Nate Diaz, so many quotables that night. I can remember like the stories coming out. Oh, what he said about Covington. Yeah, what he anything. said about Connor. What he said about Masvidal. Yeah. What he said about coming back. Like it's huge. D- Stipe and DC, DC situation. What's this, next there? Yeah, Will DC retire? Will Stipe want to fight Jones? Who's next for Stipe? Um, and right back down to the... to the. It, it was. The, the, there was a huge amount of talking points. And it's only good for the sport in the UFC when, when, when you have a guy like Nate Diaz in there that's putting eyes, mainstream eyes as well, especially back in the sport. And listen, uh, we saw the traction it did. Dana said it was doing very well. And I hope it knocked it out of the park because... We want to see cards like this. It boosts the profile of the sport even further. And, um, you know, I don't think it'd be beaten because, like, as you said there, like, I watched Everton back the next day. Normally, I wouldn't bother anymore. You You'd only watch certain parts. Yeah, yeah, I know. But you watched Everton back because it was Nate Diaz. And then it was, oh, what's he saying about, Diaz what's he saying about Colby? Yeah. What's he saying about, uh, you know, Masvidal? What, what, what did Masvidal say about him? And there was fascinating chunks coming out all week. And, you know, with Tony Ferguson in the crowd as well. And, you know, not much said about Tony. I don't know if he did an interview. I didn't see one with him. But, you know, Tony's obviously right up there for banging on the door for a title shot. In my opinion, he should be, he should be next. And then you have Colby Covington in the crowd wrecking the place, which was it was, it was, it was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, Dana, Dana White said he had to go over and tell them to stop misbehaving <laughs> at some point, which is hilarious. He was there with our good pal, uh, Alex Corbusiero. I saw Carlos I, I texted him the minute I saw him. I go, get your face off my TV, you big chunky kid. He looks like he's leaned out a bit, doesn't he, Alex? He was. Like, yeah. Alex was... Uh, Training down in ATT, he was actually considering doing a fight at one I know, point. Yeah. Um, you know, Alex is a great guy, fantastic rugby player, ambassador as well. Yeah, he's he's he's. We've had a few drinks with him over the over the years, and uh, you know, great guy, but nearly as strong as Noel McGrath. Nearly, not quite as good a scrummager either. Remember that? Yes, of course. Um, but Colby, you know, wh- what a man, and I think he's loving that hate. You know, the boos are mental for him. He just he people doing this. I don't understand it, and I keep saying it. Like, guys, come on, you know, he's t- pulling the fucking piss out of you, and I think. Maybe we can see it more over here because we're not um, 
obviously ruled by Donald Trump and things like that. But we find it more amusing. I think I think people on this side of the pond find him or get that he's actually doing what he's doing on purpose. And I think the Americans find it harder to maybe justify or maybe some of them are a little more gullible. I don't know, man. I find it amusing. It's just Very too amusing. close to home for a lot of people there. Like, it is, people yeah. people in the struggle, like it's, it's going to affect them, I guess. But um, one thing I will say is, as big as Colby v. Usman could potentially be, it's not going to be anywhere near as big as Diaz and Masvidal. No. That's hey, would, look, hey, would it be? It's, it's the title well, fight for the baddest that man on the fucking planet. May, maybe it could be if they book it now, give them the nice two months to build towards it and allow that yeah. motherfucker they, to sizzle. They'll need three. Because this is hitting on huge political things in, in America. Oh, yeah. Massive. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, the, you know Cameron Usman as an immigrant, uh, uh, Colby Covington as, yeah. as, as, as the president's mate, I mean, it's yeah, no, no, you know, best mates apparently that haven't talked on the phone for a year. I don't know what that was about from Masvidal because Colby was telling me two weeks ago that they, you know, my best friend in the world, man. And well, if I don't see my best so, friend for a year, I'm still he's still my best friend, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, is he? Yeah. Well, if he was your best friend, you'd really be probably talking to him a lot more than that. But like sometimes, you know, you're busy, you know. Yeah, you are busy, but you're that, you're that kind of person, though. Uh, you know, so if the, if he doesn't want something, he won't ring you. There you go. That's, that's Peter Carroll for you. Well, why uh, else would I be ringing you? <laughs> Ask you how you are. Don't give a fuck. There you go. He said it, not me. But no, listen, they could. Noel has never rang me to ask me how I am, by of the course, way. That's absolutely. <laughs> did I, sorry, excuse me very much. You texted me on on Saturday. You're at a wedding. And I said, listen, go away, man. Enjoy your wedding. Don't be texting me. That's what I said to you. That's a nice thing to And I text was texting Noel just like, how are you, Noel? You, know, you were going, fuck <laughs> off, you fat drunk. That's what you were saying I to wasn't me. saying that. But like, um, terrible. listen, you're dead right, Pete. If they do promote this correctly, they're onto an absolute bloody winner with that one. Because Cause it's this, huge cu- because cultural ramifications. Yeah, like. uh, not even including that. Yeah, obviously that as well. That's huge. But, but that's where you get the broader yeah, fan base of, involved. Of course you, know? you do. And then you have, obviously... The whole best friends fighting and all this shit's going to come out, you know. Oh, beyond that. Again, training. the storylines. It. It's just they're coming yeah. from left and right, man. It's, it, it is. If, if they do it, if they get it right, it's a bloody game changer. And I think we could be in for a massive, massive few months with Nate Diaz being back as well. Yeah. So many options. But let's just hope the UFC play this right and don't fuck it up like they have so many in the past and let him. But he's going to go. Like, if, if from his point of view, from what I took from him, from what he said the other night was, He's only going to fight guys that are going to fucking stand there and bang with him. And guys that he feels... That will put on a good fight. Will put on a good fight. And he fair feels enough. are worthy of being in there with him. And I think that's totally fair. And I think that's the kind of way the UFC has gone in the last two years. Belts don't mean a whole lot anymore. Yes. Um, just moving on to Ryzen 18. Um, Didn't he, watch it, mate. I was in bed. Yeah, everybody was, unfortunately. Uh, but a huge event with Kyoji Haraguchi finally being derailed. But it was in a non-title fight against Kai Asakura. I saw the knockout, though. It was nasty, man. Yeah, well, this kid, Asakura, there's two brothers. Um, I get most of my intel on this while the events are going down. I've been looking for something on the Asakura brothers, some kind of big article something like you know a big concise this is what they're all about but there doesn't seem to be one available in english but these guys have kind of generated like a cult like following they have both have big huge youtube accounts but they're um they're like they fought their way up in a an organization called the outsider it was pretty much like bikers would come in and take on fighters and stuff like that but here's this kid i think he's only 25 goes in and stops Har- haraguchi but he doesn't win the title 
Um, so obviously that's going to be yeah. set up again. But does that knock Bellator? Does that knock Ryzen? Like, I mean, when they haven't put the title on the line, uh, this guy's Bellator and Ryzen's bantamweight champion, and this kid comes in and stops him in basically a minute. I mean, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it does. it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's it's mad. You're going well. Probably signed this dude up. Probably <laughs> probably should have I mean? put the title on the yeah. line, right? Like, I mean, it's stupid. I don't understand these stupid. And this guy's a huge. Th- this guy is a huge deal in Japan. This Koya Sakura guy, like he's not like some just random guy they put him to fight against. Like this guy was thought of. Um, as one of the best prospects in Japan, as far as I was concerned, um, so just just mad. Yeah, I don't know what the the game plan is. Sometimes, but you know, obviously, I I would imagine they'd have to consult with Bellator before putting on. Well, they could put the Ryzen title on. Yeah, it's their, their title. You yeah, know? and they probably should have done that because it sort of doesn't leaves re- it at a loose end. Right? It doesn't reflect good on both promotions. The lack of thought that's been put behind that, um, mm-hmm. either. And I think. You know, when we look at Bellator, a lot of their sort of title situations that we talked about earlier on, there isn't an awful lot of thought put behind um, a lot of what they're doing in order maybe to promote fighters or um, t- to really sort of have a meaning to the divisions they're fighting in. And, and that's another sign of it to me if, if you're not... <laughs> If you're putting like two belts on the line and some guy's coming in and, and starting your champion. You're like, not putting on two belts on the line. You're, uh, yeah, you're not putting two belts on the line. It says to me that, you know, what are these guys fighting for? <laughs> uh, again, in the in the co-main event, um, Hamasaki was considered one of the, the, the best out of my fire in the world, really. Um, took on Amp the Rocket, this uh, toy prospect. She beats her, great submission, first round armbar, but no title on the line again. Um like, I mean, I, I see people, and, and they're probably right in that Japanese MMA doesn't get coverage, but these people who are calling for coverage should be the people who are putting out the coverage. If there's a gap in the market like that, and you know the information that the, the rest of the media don't, go and do yeah, it. Like, yeah. I would really like an explainer. Like I would, And I see my good man, uh, Acid Hayes, furiously high, always talking about this, but, like, I get most of my information off that guy while, while the cards are going on, just mm. what he's tweeting about. There's the gap in the market. We all want some more Japanese MMA coverage, so why don't you do it? Even an explainer before these events to get the lay of the land. Why aren't titles being put on the line? Who is this guy, Asakura? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a European correspondent. It's very hard for me to wrap is, my head yeah, around no, what's going on in Asia as well, you know? You know, they're often, you know, when, when those fights are taking place, as you said there, like, they should probably Show translate us what it's about. it better in English and, and, and have... Um, some crossover um, promotion because they're not going to pick up a, a big audience here if they're not promoting. Especially if you don't give us the storylines. Tell us what's going on. What's <laughs> exactly. it all about? Uh, Manuel Cape, um, he's a, a great fighter. My God. I, th- I think he's from Angola, but uh, his flag on topology is uh, Portuguese, so we can rep him as one of our own. Well, that well, well that's... Uh, no, but Port- Portugal and Angola have a um, sort of a an old um, sort of... Uh, england Ireland situation? Yeah, that sort of thing going on. Right, well, we'll take him as one of ours because he's very good. The, the language is Portuguese. And yeah, he's uh, he got a great first-round knockout over Takeya Mizugaki. And this is the guy I was saying, like, if they, if they wanted to do a Bellator crossover, um, you know, get Gallagher and this guy. This guy knows how to sell a fight. He's explosive. He has skills. Um, he is a great striker. Uh, Gallagher is a great submission specialist. I think that would be a fantastic fight. And, and really, ball, yeah. I feel like the, Bellator and Ryzen need to, come together and put on a gigantic event together. Well, it makes sense. Like, what did you say two seconds exactly. ago? Exactly. We, we'd have the crossover exactly. then. We'd have fighters in there with the storylines, etc. It would it would be brilliant. And, um, it, like, you know, it's 
We just need to know more about rising. It's very difficult. You, you can't know? you can't consume a product without being invested in it. And how you get invested in it is by seeing these fighter stories and things like that. That's when we look at DC. We saw the, the piece that Ariel did with ESPN. Yeah. You know, people tuning in for the first time, maybe a casual MMA fan, mightn't have known that about DC. People become invested in them. That's what happens. They need yeah. to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was a great night fight. I just wish they wouldn't, on, on a night like that, like to have the UFC card finishing at our time six AM and then rising just beginning. That's a big ask for fans. Like it we're is. after soaking up all your emotional juices with these huge fights. But you know the thing with rising is rising maybe don't realize they're maybe in the spotlight as much as they are. Um, are they? Would they like have the to potential be to be this, this the hugely in the spotlight. I believe, especially with someone like Harvey yeah, right, But yeah. then, <laughs> then that goes and happens. And you're like, well, but again. If someone had, if any publication had wrote a story about Koya Sakura, it yeah. would have went duh, 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 straight after it because everyone would been looking at to find mm-hmm. out who the guy is. What well, I still want to know more about him. There's a lot there. There's I thought you were much... fluent in j- j- uh, Japanese after oh, yeah, your week um, in yeah. Tokyo. No, it's just I tried the WhatsApp. Oh, for didn't fuck's write sake, back. But, um, get with it. <laughs> but look, that guy is a big story. Someone's got to tell it. Um, there is no way he oh, has I, built. Up... I'm going to go look but now. After there's this. no way he built up the following he did. By just simply being a guy who's good at well, fighting. Well, Japan, like, I reckon I should start a YouTube channel in Japan and have a million subscribers in a week. Like, they, they watch people eating food and stuff. It's mental. I do as well, in fairness, but I can't really No, but, like, it. literally sitting there eating food and they're gaff. Savage. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Felder. That's what he does. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, I was very cruel. I need to stop doing that. I do that to a lot of fighters now. I send them pictures and their food and they're cutting weight. It's terrible. Um, absolutely brutal. I was sending him, sending him a picture of my Guinness the other night. <laughs> He's there sitting that, yeah. eating an orange or something. I'd say he loved that. <laughs> uh, he didn't. But listen, I do think um, it would be great to see them, um, you know, sort of kick on and do something with Bellator because, you know, look, like, what, what are, where have Bellator been the last f- five weeks? Nowhere. They, they've never to be seen, mate. And We're back this weekend or we're about to talk about that. Yeah, but like, do we, like, that's what I mean. Like, Bellator aren't, again, you know, putting something out there that people are really that interested in. That's always been my big struggle with Bellator. I'm more interested in the Dublin card here than anything Bellator have put on this year. Yeah. And it shouldn't be like that. It's not an action-packed weekend this weekend in MMA. It has to be said, UFC are taking a break. But Bellator 225 will take pride of place. And look at Niall there. He's so excited about it. <laughs> Niall, it's going down in the Webster Bank Arena in Connecticut. No, well. Yeah, it's a great spot. Um, Matt Matt Mitrione will rematch against Sergei Sharitanov. Their first fight, of course, ended in a no contest. So interesting to see here, Mitrione. I think this might be his first fight since he lost to Bader. Am I right there? I might be wrong. I'm probably you are wrong. right, I think. I am. Oh, I my think God. so. No, Sharitanov was. All oh, right, sorry. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. There you go. Um, yeah. Uh, I, f- I find it hard to get invested in this. <laughs> Just straight off the top. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. What about Vitali Minikov and Javi Ayala? Yeah, two veteran campaigners there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Minikov, uh, he lost that last fight, and uh, basically Czech Congo has taken the title shot because of it. So, I mean, Bellator must have had the man in good yeah. stead before that. David Rickles in there as well. The caveman, I see. Yes, yes, against unbeaten Ukrainian Yaroslav Amosov. Um, who will be representing Europe uh, this weekend. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of Europeans on this card. Nick Newell is making his debut. Nick Newell is making his debut against a man who has graced these shores, Mr. Corey Browning. Indeed. Yeah, so... Uh, Listen, I do, I do. I hope it goes well for Nick. Very likable guy, obviously. Tim Johnson, is this his Bellator debut? The moustache? It must be, yeah. 
Oh, wow. What a man. No, what he's lost to Czech Congo already, unfortunately. All right, has he? Czech Congo actually finished him. Unbelievable. Um, Ricky Banjay. There is a good few names in this. It's just a scattered very wildly. Like, I mean, Nick Newell, Corey Browning, that'll be a watchable fight. Rickles and Amasov be a watchable fight. Um, Coleman and Main are interesting enough, but... You see down Mike Kimball, who is the who is Tom e- is working with Tom Egan. He's got them uh, like big viral knockout in his uh, his debut. I believe he de- got a decision in his last fight. Uh, he's he's an interesting guy to watch. Um, also has Ricky Bandejas on it, the man who KO James Gallagher, of course. Um, he was he was straight out of the furnace and into the fire there in his last two fights. They yeah. gave him Juan Arculeta, who is like a top prospect, a bantamweight featherweight and fifty five. Um, he lost him by decision. Like that's a, that's a that's a that's mm. a good feather in his cap mm. to go the distance with Arculeta. But Patrick Mixon his debut looks sensational. Though that back take was unbelievable. I mean, savage. So uh, I really like to watch Ricky. I think he was a blue chip prospect. So, um, so I, I, that will be interesting to watch. Austin Vanderford as well, Mister Van Zant as, as right. uh, Ariel calls him, will take on Joseph Creer. Um, yeah, it's it's, a, it's solid enough. It's just it's been buried. I think with the UFC on and and. Uh, you know, Bellator having another card in what five weeks or something like that. So, yeah, listen, a long old card as well. There's a sixteen odd fights there. Yeah, Jeez. it's just uh, uh, just question Bellator's promotional tactics and what they're doing really to get the fight cards out there because um, I'm not really invested in this fight card. To be honest, yeah, I mean, like with so much Europeans on there to to get eyes towards Sky Sports, they aren't really utilizing that roster. They no, have, are they? Not at all. What what fights sticking out to you there? To be honest, Joe, I love watching, as you said earlier on, uh, Ricky Bandejas, yeah. you know, really good fighter to watch. Obviously, he suffered those two losses. I'm very intrigued to see how Nick Newell does on his uh, debut against Corey Browning, a guy who's uh, obviously been on Dana White's Contender Series, and we know him, obviously, been from uh, his time in WSOF. I think he fought Gaethje, is that correct? And then lost to Justin, then retired for a bit. Um, you know, really sort of interesting, intriguing character, obviously, his disability. So that's a guy you really want to... You want to get behind, and I think there's emphasis there for people to get behind him, and he always sort of has had a lot of great support, so does hope it work out for him. That's a good fight. Vanderford's um, on a nice time as well. Like That's a good time for us to yeah. tune in. Like I mean, and, and it is a guy a, a, a guy with a yeah, decent yeah. record. He's up there against six-fight win streak. And you're looking, you're just, you just want to see um, how good this kid's going to be, and um, I'm interested to see it. And, you know, he's obviously had a couple of, I think he grappled Jake Shields there um, during the summer, um, lost that, but uh, a guy who seems to no, want to try... losing a grapple match. Yeah, there. of course. Yeah. Unbelievable. But he's a guy who seems to really want to learn his trade and he, he's going to evade it the right way and he's a, he's an interesting prospect to watch out for. So yeah, I'll be, you know, eyes on that one definitely as well. Right, let's get to Brown Town now. Uh, did you watch the All-Ireland final? I did. My dad's from Kilkenny. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine he was happy with that sending nah, off. Nah. Listen... For you, those of you who don't know, uh, the All-Ireland Horling final was uh, this weekend. It's a... Uh, a fantastic Irish sport, the fastest sport in the world. Um, Tipperary, now champions, it was our Sean Sheehan's Limerick, uh, who weren't up for Thank the Thank God they didn't win it. Anyway, everyone hates them. <laughs> Let's be honest. He didn't stop He didn't stop cheering them until that, co- yeah. that trophy went into someone else's yeah. hands. I actually, I had my hands in the trophy there. Did you, yeah? yeah. That's what ruined it for Tipperary, uh, for yeah, Kilkenny. But uh, there was a sending off earlier in the game, and that kind of basically ruined the whole thing. Um, uh, what was your dad's reaction to that sending off? Ah, he was cursing, effing and blinding there. So, listen, I couldn't really care less about the hurling or the. I'm not. I oh, just wish GAA it was a better fan. game. Just wish it was a better game. Hurling's yeah, no, usually no, great. Normally, games. it is. The, yeah. the, definitely, the uh, red card changed the trajectory of the game. Um, so that was disappointing. But 
you know, shit happens. They built a, they built, they were six points up in the first half, Kilkenny. Yeah. So it was a mad turnaround, but it was very comfortable in the end. Well, I think it that's was. about it. Uh, we just wanted to uh, send out our love to Jolisanda, um famed tweeter. Talking to the microphone there, please. He please. Is, a, is a famous um, tweeter of MMA. He's great. And uh, he is one of these guys that we rely heavily on. And uh, he has been, unfortunately, uh, removed from Twitter due to some uh, images or video he shared from the Ryzen event at the weekend. But as we said, you, you guys have no imprint over here. These are the people who are actually giving yeah, you an imprint here. Like, I mean, um, Jolasanda, you can get them now on Jolasanda1. That's J-O-L-A-S-S-A-N-D-A-1. Make sure you give them a follow. This is uh, a guy that really, really deserves your support. And um, lucky enough, he's nearly up to 2,500 of uh, Monday night now. So hopefully it will continue to grow because... Uh, it's not great. Like these guys, um, they put in so much work. They dedicate so many hours every weekend to watching the sport, to getting us the the clips, to get to to really stimulating the fan base. And it's it's shit when you see this kind of thing happen. And Capose has done a great job this weekend of uh, this just over the last day or so of getting the word out and getting people to follow him. So hopefully he will build his following back up. I know he will eventually because he does great work. But um, yeah, I think I think the the promotions need to recognize how much these guys do for them, how yeah. prominent they make their promotion in this part of the world, and really they should see them as an asset instead of a hindrance. That's pretty much my only word on no, that. No, 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 I totally agree. Um, we talked about this, obviously, a little bit earlier on in the show, and, you know, the lack of uh, sort of stories and um, information that we get, we rely heavily, you yeah. certainly rely heavily on on, on, on uh, guys like him and Kaposa. Um So, yeah, go and support the dude, definitely. I was at a wedding again last weekend. It's wedding season is over for me, but congratulations to Alan Nolan and Lorraine. Lorraine Nolan now. Uh, fantastic. Very plush. I thought it was so plush, I, I thought like I thought I was going to see you popping out behind a bush somewhere. Uh-oh. Cliff at the Lions uh, in Celebridge there. Never heard of it. Yeah, two two upper brow for you, my friend. Um, oh, I was lovely, beautiful, beautiful day. Now, to be fair, Good stuff. Congratulations, uh, commiseration, should I say? It's it, they take the toll. It's like getting hit by a, a train or something going to a wedding. They just get absolutely mamboed, and yeah, then the next day just picking up the pieces. What yeah. happened? Yeah, oh, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? I was I was pretty wrecked there after my wedding uh, the weekend before. You last. got married? No, Jesus, oh. who'd have me? <laughs> I, I would. Who'd have me? I would. Jesus Christ! Every oh, every down. week there's some innuendo or something put out there, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was a uh, it was a good weekend. I, to be honest, I was I was really drained yesterday after the fights. Emotionally drained, emotion and physically as well. I actually I don't even even eat anything yesterday. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Manchester United just lost as we're recording this. Well, they, uh, they drew. It felt like a loss. Felt like a loss. Just your reaction as well uh, gave us that kind of losing vibe here. Yeah, Happy with that one? No. Nah, listen, it'll probably be a good point come the end of the season. Point um, gained on last year. Yeah, exactly. Two, yeah, we didn't even get a point uh, mm. on, in both the games. So going to Malin, you get a point. No, I mean, Fiti says, I think Wolves could be an outside shot for top four. Yeah, I was just telling you that that, that was my own shout there yeah, beforehand. Bit of a so. controversial one. But I don't like this whole penalty take in Malaw where there's indecisiveness on who's going to take the spot kick. And Pog, P- Paul Pogba's involved again, a man that's been uh, the brunt of your ire for the last year or yeah. so. Are you upset with that particularly? Well, I don't know the whole situation, but I Paul does drive me mad. I, you know, I think if you don't want to play for the team, get out of there, get rid of him. I think Alexis Sanchez is on his way out by the looks of it as well to Inter Milan. So, yeah, you need to, you need to rid... 
clubs and sides and people trim the fat trim the fat my son yeah. but um, I'm dying for a pint for some reason tonight let's go and get sauced thank you very much everybody we love you loads um, we'll be back again next weekend w- week even week yeah, with episode 50, another fantastic milestone for That's the Euro Bash duo. It? it is, I think it so. Feels like it feels like there's been more. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> that shows you how much we love doing this, guys. No, no, but no, I'm just saying, you've like, obviously, you know, podcast together for, for fucking God knows how long now. Five years, it must be. So, yeah, no, it's just, it is a long time. Yes, and hopefully we'll be back with our two guests line up next week. Uh, we had a bit of an issue this week, but we will rectify that next week. Thank you very much. Love is loads. Give me a kiss there now. <laughs> <laughs> the reluctant kiss at the end.